Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Okay, so I, I wanted to start off this week by mentioning, because, Neil, we haven't talked about this yet, and, Anthony, hopefully you've heard it. Uh, I just should have sent you all a text about it, but the, the new Beatles song. Have, have both of you heard the, the new Beatles song? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Ah, they basically got an old demo of Lennon's that they tried to, I guess, make into a song back in the 90s when they did that whole Beatles anthology, and they couldn't do it, so they now they have the technology's there where they can separate the audio from like the crap track that it was on right and they did the song which i don't know neil what did what did you think about it um i thought it was really cool uh i wanted more out of it i think everyone did just because it's the beatles such high expectations like it's a nice song but it just doesn't have a super catchy hook it's just it's nice to hear them sing but that's about it like i listened to it twice maybe and I don't think I'm going to be going back and being like, yo, have you checked out that new Beatles? Now and then, man, it's the new <laughs> shit. Uh, hey, my, my two biggest issues, and I, I kind of watched, like, there's a 10-minute documentary on Max that's, like, the make it, like, how they put it together. I guess Peter Jackson, when he was doing that Get Back uh, documentary, would kind of helped out. Like, they developed the, the technology to be able to separate the tracks. And they mentioned that Harrison did not throw a guitar solo down on the song back in the 90s. So they basically had to did, like, a string solo in the style of George Harrison and you could tell it's kind of leaves a lot to be desired but also I was listening to it and I was like oh of course Jeff Lynne produced this because it just the strings just sound so Jeff Lynne ELO and then I'm like wait he mm-hmm. was probably got that from the Beatles so it's basically like the song is a Beatles song with the fingerprints of Jeff Lynne who <laughs> so it's like full circle thing yeah 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 br- the British countryside what's the name of the song because I feel like I have homework to do now and then yeah your homework will last four minutes you'll listen to it once you'll be like oh that's cool and then you'll forget about it 10 minutes later (laughs) unless you're on a podcast and somebody mentions it and then you're like oh yeah i did hear that (laughs) this song's more than likely just going to change my life you're like yeah it was kind (laughs) of meh i'm gonna be like oh my god yeah we we get uh, your pick and you're like now and then let's (laughs) do it you guys you heard that new beatles song Well, I guess that that'll lead us to to telling everybody who you are, Anthony. Um, which this is the first this is the first for Neil and I to to have a guest that we have never met and don't know before having them on the podcast. So, welcome, Mr. Anthony. Tell me your last name before I say that again. Anthony Saratelli. I'm slightly Italian. <laughs> In fact, every time I introduce myself, people are like, "Oh yeah, you must be Italian, right?" And I'm like. This is starting to feel a little racist, but yes, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Saratelli. I, I live in the Paris of the Midwest, as some would say, Columbus, Ohio. That's what I always call it. I mean, that's what that's. It's actually like the the nickname of the city. People just don't know about it, but that's what we call it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to tell you a little bit about myself if that's what you want. If otherwise, what? I'll shut up and we can get into it, man. Well, we'd like to ask our guests a couple questions just so the, the, the listeners back home or in their car or at the gym or, sure I don't know, uh, shoveling dirt can know <laughs> who, they're, who they're talking to. They know enough about me and Neil at this point. So uh, the first question is always, since it's a music podcast, like give us just a little broad overview of your musical tastes in general. So people ask me often, what's your favorite type of music? And I, I actually hate the answer that I give because I feel it's a cop-out. <laughs> Yeah, but I really my taste is 360 degrees of all types of music. I listen nice. to everything from jazz to rap to rock, the whole gamut. I mean, there's weird. I'm I find myself down rabbit holes all the time. I'm like, how did I get here? I think my my kind of like set point for my musical taste is classic rock because it's what I grew up mm-hmm. on. You're you're, Fav- in, you're in good company. We're, we're in good we're in good territory. My favorite <laughs> band is the Grateful Dead, more oh, nice. so. Yeah. More so because it, I think it shaped my musical taste from the standpoint of how I play. 
because I play the guitar and the piano and I was self-taught. So I never really had a path that was like set ahead of time. I just kind of find an interest in something and then find an interest in another thing. And early 2013, 14 is when I really started getting into the dead. And then it, it just, it opened up a whole new world and way that I think about music. But then when everything happened with John Mayer, I love John Mayer. And I was like, the stars are aligning for me. And it turns out a lot of people <laughs> nice. think that the stars were a little bit crooked and slow, but you know, that's been discussed on, uh, on this to, pod before. To, uh, yeah. I mean, I, for one, am I'm a, a fan. fan. I'm a fan of the collaboration. Yeah. Keep the, keep the music going. That's what's most important. Okay. Well, since you're a dead fan, I assume that you you go to live shows so the second question we like to ask uh usually revolves around uh live music and like can you give us like your top two to three live shows that you've you've been to you know i've been to so many good shows i actually i've been fortunate to see a lot a lot of really really good acts and 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 some superstars even if they're a little past their prime there's one concert that always sticks out to me as my my most impressive best like holy crap concert and it was Metallica in 2017 and it it was Metallica because when I was younger I was a huge Metallica fan I think yeah Load was the first album that I bought with my own money it was either Load or Puff Daddy and the Family's No Way Out but you know (laughs) one of those one of those two but I had never seen Metallica and I saw him at this festival Rock on the Range in Columbus there was a long long rain delay we didn't think Metallica was going to play. And they were, I was like, I got to see Metallica, man. I got to see them. They finally come out. The show started at like 11 p.m. It's yeah. pouring down rain all night. And my God, were they so good. They were so tight. Everything sounded so good. And this is 2017. So they're like well past their prime. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. So that's the best show I've ever seen. I, I think there's other acts that, that you know, here and there, they're, they're really good. I saw Krungbin. It was a really, really fun show. Actually, one of your former guests, Billy, and I saw Tedeschi Trucks at the Ryman in Nashville. Those are just some of the more recent ones. Yeah, but we just heard about that's, that. That's what we call the callback. <laughs> <laughs> and let me ask you, did you get Billy into the dead or the other way around? Because I know, didn't he recently come to just fall like madly in love with the dead? <laughs> he was a little stubborn about getting on the bus, but I'm not going to take credit for it. I was I was just chipping away at him. I told him eventually he was going to get it. I was always like, man, mm-hmm. Billy, like you love the Allman Brothers. You love all these really jammy bands. You love you love the band. I'm like, it, you're right there, man. Like just I, I would feed yeah. him songs like mm-hmm. here and there, yeah, knowing yeah. that one day it was going to click. And it, it finally one day he was like, bro, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Okay, well, the third question that – we always ask is kind of around just it doesn't have to be a new band but just in the last like two three years is there a band that's like really kind of grown in the plays for you on the playlist for you i'm gonna i'm gonna give you three and this is in that last two three years all right first one is krung bin for sure more so because and this is probably the last four years but as the world went more towards remote work and i found myself working more in coffee shops and in my own time Krungman has become like my work soundtrack. Even though their yeah. shows are like super funky and jammy and fun, <laughs> you can vibe out and get a lot of stuff done with them in your headphones. They definitely have an elevator music, like much better than that, but it's definitely like background music where you're like, sweet, I could listen to an hour of this and not be like, God, what the fuck is playing? Yeah, it's like Willy Wonka's elevator if it toured all of the world and picked like very good bits of music. <laughs> Willy Wonka's. <laughs> so nice. All right. So number two is actually going to be King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, ah, because yeah. they mm-hmm. keep it so mm-hmm. fresh. I never know what to expect, and they come out with like eighteen thousand songs a year. <laughs> they yeah, really yeah, do. Yeah. And and number three is Charlie Crockett, just because I, ah, I feel like yeah. he's got a good, unique kind of lane that he's in, where he's mixing in country, a little bit of soul, a little bit of blues. There's something about his voice that I'm just like, yeah, this is this is good. Oh yeah, he's. Absolutely yeah, killing good. it. I, I, for, Neil, I think you sent me his stuff, and like I've just, I'm on it. Every yeah, time he has a release, yeah. I'm like, yep, I'm into it. And we just brought it. him up recently. What what did he cover? Oh, All Along the Watchtower. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, he's been on my mind lately. 
Right, and on that note, you know what's been on my mind lately is uh, David Bowie, because this week we are talking about uh, his song Moon Age Daydream from uh, the 1971 album The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, uh, written by David Bowie and produced by Ken Scott and David Bowie and released on RCA. I'm an alligator I'm a mama papa coming for you there's so many good Bowie songs, obviously. There's there's so many to pick from. And I must say, I, I think I got way into Bowie through Hunky Dory. But I realized that this song is just kind of has it all. And I realized it, I think, years ago when, Josh, you and Jonathan were talking about how great of a cover it would be in our band. Oh, yeah. Which I agreed. And I was just like, just for that opening chord alone, <laughs> I, know, like, right? I just want to play that. I just want to hit that D, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's funny, like, the the opening chord is one of the best things about the whole song. Um, it's been described as an avalanche, a pile driver, an opening thunderbolt. <laughs> and it's so cool the way, it, like, it starts like that, and then it all completely drops out to, like, Bowie's spacey 12-string guitar, and he's, you're, you're off on your journey. And this song really encompasses a lot of what's so great about Bowie, you know, through the spacey floating, the the hard rock the just the great melodies i mean the words to this are fucking insane i i just love the chorus because it's like it's oddly menacing and sweet at the same time i get what he's saying and i totally believe him but it's just like jesus it it's, it's just very powerful and uh to the point why i picked this song um i was talking to my wife and i was like oh, i picked a bowie song which one do you think it is she didn't answer me and I, I, we just went on i was like well which one would you pick She's like, Moon Age Daydream. I was like, are you saying that's what you'd pick or the one I I picked? And she was like, both. I was like, yeah, yeah. We're so on right. the same page, babe. <laughs> but yeah, everything about it, man. It's it's just, it's a it's a amazing song that really kind of captures everything that we love about Bowie. So uh, I'm going to come back to this later when we get into some things. But Neil, you said you're kind of off on your journey. You know, the, the cover of the album where he's standing on that sidewalk and he's got the sign above oh, his yeah. head. It says K West. Mm-hmm. K West is a shop or was a shop in England. It was yeah. like a fur shop, but it's quest. Ah. So we're off on the quest oh, of wow. Ziggy yeah. Stardust. You. you ever pick up on that? Coming in hot. <laughs> nuggets, baby. <laughs> it's nuggets, baby. I mentioned earlier about my buddy, Billy and the grateful dead and things clicking for him. For me, Bowie was one of those artists where I was always like, I like him. He's got some good songs. I like more, you know, Heroes is great. I could never wrap my head around why everybody was like, David Bowie is awesome. Until one day I was sitting down and I I was actually trying to, it was Life on Mars. I I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting at the piano just like for whatever reason, trying to learn the song, plodding through the chords and something about that song. There's I, I, I'm like any music theory that I have is amateur YouTube made up, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's, there's like this movement that he does where he goes through like an augmented chord up to the seventh, back to the full chord. And I was like, wait, that's so simple. That melodic movement. And then like diving into a couple other things that he did in his songwriting, I was like, Oh my God, I get it that's why mm-hmm, he's great mm-hmm. and then coming back to this song the album was it ziggy stardust was his first kind of like persona that he did bowie being mm-hmm. the artist's artist right like he is like the epitome of why we call musicians artists the whole album is is this character but moon age daydream is the announcement of the character right it's yeah. track three mm-hmm. but like this is the coming out no pun intended party <laughs> mm-hmm. um, absolutely I and and what's funny is you know I listen to the album so every week when we do a song I'll listen to the album like the day that we're going to record I listen to it today and you just forget like if you haven't listened to it in a while the chord hits so quickly at the end of song number two uh, which is escaping me now the name of it but, soul something soul yeah, love I believe yeah yeah soul love it ends and it's just like boom 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 you remember like the scenes from the cartoons or the or the movies where the flying saucers on the ground and then the thing just comes down and they float <laughs> come down, come out and it's just like boom bum bum you know <laughs> I'm an alligator, uh, but <laughs> but no it's funny y'all, y'all talk about you know like coming to Bowie like this is not the song you think about when you think about Bowie but 
I mean, I'm not willing to say this is my favorite Bowie song, but it's definitely like top three, you know, Bowie songs. This might be like a top 30 any rock song for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, there was like a festival in my town when I was growing up called the Kudzu Festival, and this band, I mean, I was a young kid, probably like eight, eight, nine, Kudzu. and this, this band played. And it was like a couple guys from the high school who were like in college. It was like, oh my God, they're so good. I, I can't remember what the name of the band was. And they played Ziggy Stardust. And it was like, oh, that song's awesome. And everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe they played Ziggy Stardust. And then when I was getting into rock and roll, like in my teenage years, I, I kind of remembered that song. I always was like, well, what is that? And then listened to the album. And this is the song that stands out from the album. There's a lot, you know, Suffolk City, Ziggy Stardust is great, fucking Starman. There's, there's so mm-hmm. many good songs in this album. But for me, this is like the song. I mean, Neil, we talked about Watchtower a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, this just has every, every element of this kind of music that is why I fell in love with, like, rock and roll and, like, got into mm-hmm. music, like, in general, that, you know, meant anything to me. And, th- and this song just has, I mean, it opens with, like, the huge chord. It ends with an epic solo. It's got the attitude, but, like, I, I mean, I don't really see that much darkness in this song. It's really cheeky. Like, it, it, there's a lot of mm-hmm. attitude. It's a really fun song. Like, he's not taking himself that seriously. He's telling a fucking sci-fi story in a really fucking rocking way. And, it, and what's crazy is, like, you go from the heavy metal, like, beginning to this bum, bum, bum on a 12-string, bum, bum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it completely just, drops out. Yeah, it's such a, 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 a an, an amazing, like, change that encapsulates pretty much you know, Bowie's shifting nature. It's one of those songs that's like, you can dance to it, you can sing to it, it's got a memorable riff, the lyric is insanely rock and roll, and you know, there's just like, there's no notes, like, there's no notes for a song like this. It's like, yeah. couple things uh anthony so yeah i mean i i mentioned hunky dory because life on mars is when i that's when it clicked for me with bowie because i knew bowie throughout the years but that album that song i was like oh he's a genius <laughs> but this song is just like it has so much more than that it encapsulates so much more and then josh you brought up uh ziggy stardust this song has a hell of an intro but ziggy is so great too if you guys had to pick one which one is like, cause that like just that. Yeah. And a great first line. I already answered. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is the song I'm picking. Yeah. yeah. Between Ziggy and, and Moon Age Daydream. Just the, the beginning, the first 10 seconds. Oh, <laughs> I, I think I'm going Ziggy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. I think Ziggy has a better, like just that is the melodic heavy guitar is cooler, but I think this song is a better song as a whole. And a, completed so piece. you and josh probably prefer roller coasters with a really big first hill and you just drop <laughs> right into it right i'm saying like take me yeah, upside sure. down a couple times and then we'll get into the rest of the ride <laughs> that that's fair i i mean again it's 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 a great song i just love and what, whatever this will segue us into this the first line of this i mean yes ziggy played guitar great I'm an alligator. I'm a mama yeah, yeah. papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. There, there's not well, many like rock and roll yeah. like, intro lyric lyrically that are that impressive and. Yeah, I was looking around, and did David Bowie coin the term space invader? Because it was well before the video game. I'm sure there was like graphic novels maybe that used it, but like in like pop culture. So basically, I read a little bit about the lyric, and Anthony, there's something we do on here which we call rock and roll lyric, which is this is perfected. Basically, just like cool words that really don't mean anything, and in general, like this is peak rock and roll lyric. I mean, it does. It's telling a story, like the touchstone of sci-fi story. (laughs) But if you there are like they're alluding to a lot of things. Like he wrote. like there was a weird thing on Wikipedia where it says like he wrote it with this guy who was big in the gay community, and and they mm-hmm. talk about all these words they're using. And Space Invader basically has some kind of innuendo in that community that was being used. So yes, it probably wasn't like mass used for anything, but all of these terms like I'm a space invader, I'm a rock and roll bitch, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of mm-hmm. that was were things that were said in the gay community probably, you know, back in the early seventies, late sixties. You know, I I hadn't ever done a dive into the lyrics of this song until we talked about doing this and i'm gonna say i learned a lot uh (laughs) yeah the pink monkey bird thing 
Yes. I was yeah, always yeah. like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and then I Google. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. You're, you're, easy, easy. <laughs> you're catching. You're catching there. Uh, the pink monkey. Yeah. He's squawking. Yeah, he's squawking. It's a little <laughs> intense. <laughs> it's so intense. I, I had the same experience, and I'm just like, I, I kind of like, I don't want to always associate it, this song with all that innuendo, so I kind of like... Well, that, I kind of stopped at a certain that's point. That's a good thing with the song is like when you first, when you hear it as a kid, like you know there's something sexual about the song because like there's just kind of some something innately sexual about Bowie, but you don't really understand what exactly it is. You just hear all of this stuff, Pink Monkey Bird and uh, Church of Man Love and all of that stuff, and <laughs> you're just kind of like, man, this sounds cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an alligator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, but a, that, yeah. I'm a rock and roll that's, bitch. That's really the genius of the artistry though, right? Like, I, as a person, yeah, I'm not certainly. very like a lyrical listener. When I listen to songs, I I often don't even hear the words. I listen to the layers and track all that. Yeah, same. So I have to actually print out or write out words for me to even think about them. But up until this point, and I probably heard this song a thousand times in my life. I'd always just thought it's this like yeah. nonsensical thing. Yet I've always heard people say that. Yeah, he's an right. alligator. Yeah, he's an alligator. He's but fucking, everybody, fucking everybody yeah, always man. talks about Bowie like he was this. <laughs> He was like pushing an agenda of a marginalized people, like non-binary, homosexual, all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't really get it. But then when you read the the words, you're like, oh, he actually <laughs> was like layering that in and being a voice for people that didn't really have a voice. I mean, this is 1972. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's absolute subversion. You're taking all of the this terminology and things from a underground community at the time and making like high school kids that are like drinking beers and being frat bros like I'm, bro i want to yeah, be like, part of that world i'm an alligator too <laughs> man <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fucking rock and rolling bitch oh. <laughs> press your space face close to mine that's right <laughs> the, although i did always know like in, in, in the back of my probably even when i was a kid i was like keep your electric eye on me babe it's definitely talk about a dick right yeah <laughs> well are you sure it's that and not the put you, the ray gun to my head well, well that follows and you're just like there's there's some things with this is as phallic it like this is like the anti-zeppelin yeah right well, i do love that elements but <laughs> bowie has one kind of electric eye which is kind of cool you know? oh yeah that, that's fair that, that could be a reference to that but like but. that all of this just adds to that first chord right like you're like mm-hmm. there it's there's all of these undertones of some political things but it's phallic and here's the big d chord and it's a d chord for a reason <laughs> the and big it's like d. here we boom just letting <laughs> it out there right <laughs> <laughs> like, boom <laughs> just Great. the big d off the start thing he does which i find just hilarious in that sense on what we're talking about now is that you get to that first solo where it's like and it's like it's what it's a penny whistle and a saxophone piccolo a, a piccolo it's such a catchy memorable yeah. riff but it's almost circus like you know it's almost yeah. like and then <laughs> it is i had token written down it's very like hobbit like i can see like hobbits and but then you go to that end where it's like david gilmore on steroids fucking an epic guitar solo it's like the the two things contrasted work so well in the song there's just a lot going on in terms of how badass this is with mm-hmm. also like how much he's kind of making you yeah. really think things that you wouldn't normally think are badass. Badass and cool. Yeah, everything about the song is badass. The title, the fucking arrangement, the lyrics, the guitar. Like there's not like you said, Josh, no notes. <laughs> well, okay, so to me, I mean, you could I could say the beginning's my favorite part, I could say the lyric is my favorite part, I could say the freak out is my favorite part. I could say that little the first solo the first solo is i could say the second solo is there's just so many elements of the song that you could walk away from and say this is my favorite part of the song so anthony what what do you think if you had to choose one what what is your favorite part of the song are we're gonna go a little deep here because i know right. i know you're both musicians sure. i like to fancy myself at least some sort of a musician and i i did <laughs> give you guys the caveat that all of my music theory is self-learned or self-made up 
But for me, oh, okay. it's, I think it's, us too. it's actually the first two chords, right? Because it starts on that D. Yeah. And we, we talked about the big D and how we love that it comes in. And it's like the best chord of all of Bowie's discography or the catalog. But he changes to that major third. Uh-huh. Instead, like it yep. would typically be, and this is again, like part of me wrapping my head around what the greatness of Bowie was. It took me a while to figure out like, well, I thought that that was supposed to be a minor chord. Why can you do that? Because yeah. I was like yeah, yeah, learning yeah. music theory, thinking that you have to be bound to these things. And I really, I love that chord change. I actually like the, mm-hmm. the, the I think Ex- of um, Deal, the Grateful Dead song. Like I love that chord oh, change. Yeah. It goes from the A to the C sharp. So oh, like yeah. that movement to me, I love because it feels good to my ears, but it, it's a, that sets the precedent of the rest of the song for me musically is because, and I don't, I would love to know if he was like actually thinking about these things as he was writing music or if it was just something that was subconscious to him and he was finding the, the sounds that sounded right. But he does such a good job of using those like secondary dominant chords and leading you to the yeah. next sound that sounds a little bit different, but it still sounds so right. Oh yeah. So that's that favorite well, for me. It's that first, that second chord. Yeah, and, and just off of that, real quick. Nice. I mean, what's I, I I've noticed this as well. I was like, oh wow, he's going to the major three, and then he goes to the six, and it's minor, and then he goes to major two. So there are like just small things he's doing there that you don't often mm-hmm. see in songs that really do melodically do a lot. Because when he goes to the chorus, he's he's going to the four, which is you know fairly typical. But during that verse, it really makes the verse you know, yeah. it takes it to the next level. Yeah. And uh, it's a, it's a third for me. I mean, just, I learned it actually this afternoon and I was too surprised with the, the F sharp uh, major there, but it's just great. Also like playing it that D D D and then going to a B minor when you just dun, 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 a. <laughs> like it's it, the whole, the whole, I guess the first 20 seconds are just out of I- control. I was surprised, though, listening to it this week. I mean, my I walk away after kind of diving into it with, I mean, the guitar solo is my favorite part of the song. It, it's it's crazy because we have a thing on here, Anthony, we, we call it when somebody does a pulls a, a Floyd, which is like, it's good, then it gets better, and it gets even better. So you have like three steps up. Because the song, it's for me, it's there's there's so much fun in the lyric, the down to down, and then the chorus is so nasty, and then you have the dun 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 dun, dun so you're like, damn. This is such yeah. an awesome song. And then it just soars into space with this like epic. And it's a solo that I don't, I can't really think of other solos that sound like it. Cause he's, and I don't, Neil, you can kind of expand on this of like, wow, wow. I mean, it's just these. Yeah. Full- it's, it's all passion. I mean, did you guys see that thing where Bowie apparently wrote, he drew out what he wanted the solo to look like? Yeah. Oh, with crayons. Yeah. He drew like a straight line, then it went into a megaphone, then he just drew a bunch of like lines. And I listened to it, I was like, that's exactly what happens. Cause just, <laughs> and the whole solo is all just swagger and emotion. There's nothing technical going on other than just great tone, vibrato, and just meaning it. Like, I'm not trying to like be like Clapton or Hendrix or anything. I'm, I'm just going to make this sound awesome. Yeah, because he's not like, playing a lot of notes. I mean, he's really no, just, just hitting and just hanging bending out. the same note over and over because it's just... I would be surprised. I haven't learned the solo, but I would be surprised if he plays more than like two or three notes throughout the whole thing. Well, what's crazy, when I first heard it, I was like, he's taking like Gilmore's big bends that he'll hit, the epic ones where he leads mm-hmm. up to them, and he's just doing all epic all the time. And then it's like, the song came out in 1970, you know, they recorded this in 71, you know, I mean, like, I don't know how established they were. I mean, yeah, they had done some albums, mm-hmm. but this is pretty much contemporary. This isn't like 10 years yeah, after yeah. David Gilmore. So yeah, I, I, it's very echoes. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if metal had come out yet. Bronson, though. I mean, yeah. not a very famous, not a very famous guitar player, but I apparently prolific session artist played on yeah. played on the Lou Reed Transformer album. Yeah, nice. And John Mellencamp gives him all the credit in the world for arranging Jack and Diane. Wow! Oh, really? I didn't, yeah, he I did not know apparently that. the kind of like vocal breakdown in that song was Mick Ronson's idea and John Mellencamp's like the only reason people remember the song is because of that so 
guy yeah. guy made the track. But I, I agree that the solo is my second favorite part of the song. And I, I'm not going to go back into like the Anthony Learn More music theory part of it. But that cadence, <laughs> that walk down is very, yeah. very Led Zeppelin-esque too, right? Like, and oh, you yeah. see that it's all mm-hmm. over music. Those, those four chords or three chords are, are all yeah. there. But the, the flexibility that you have as a musician there, for, for Mick to take that little crayon drawing from David Bowie and lay that down, you're like, these guys had some magic. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and it, I had no idea that he had recorded this for with a side project called Arnold Corns, <laughs> which I didn't even yeah, know something like that was a thing. Yeah, and, Arnold Corns. Um, and it, did, did y'all listen to that version? I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't I mean, have c- this, and this is what's missing from that version. That has the and similar melody. The chorus is not as good in that one, but this definitely well, elevates this song. I, I think it's also why we're talking about this song because it makes sense that this was the second version because they're like, oh, we, you know, it kind of like it's just been polished and perfected, you know, yeah. throughout like a different, a couple different recording methods. But you, he also needed Ronson to come and arrange the strings and be like, okay, this is this is how we're gonna do this part. And- yeah. And I mean, throughout Bowie's stuff, all of the Ronson, like it's just Bowie's writing such good songs and Ronson just has great tone. And all you have to do is just like really feel it, get in there. I mean, it's just a great bed to like, you know, really show off as a guitar player. And he doesn't do too much. He just really fucking crushes the the overall tonality of what Bowie's trying to do. It's fucking amazing. Well, and then to bring everything back full circle, we were talking about Pink Floyd and Gilmore and Contemporary. Arnold Corns was a tribute to or play on Arnold Lane, the Pink Floyd song. Yep. So there was obviously <laughs> some sort of yeah nod yep, there yep. somewhere. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nods to like Sid Barrett level era Pink Floyd here, and nods to the, I mean the the producer Ken Scott is was one of the five engineers for the Beatles. Like you can you can hear that influence on here. I mean that guy, if you look at his output of of production, is like. Elton John, Supertramp, Duran Duran, Pink Floyd. Um, you know, they did this song in two, in two takes at Trident Studios. You got to wonder how much of an impact he had on the overall musicianship there, right? Like, I, I always think when I I'm, – I'm nerding out on the theory here tonight, but I always think Bowie and the Beatles to me, they do very similar harmonic and melodic mm-hmm. things as far as just leading tones. Oh, yeah. And those two, well, the band and the artist, Beatles and David Bowie, really pushed the boundaries of pop music and brought more of rock into pop. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, a yeah. lot of that is the, is that chord structure and how they how they thought about the the tones and harmony and all of the things that they're doing. And it's interesting to hear you say that there was a, a, a common thread on the producer side. The cool thing, um, Anthony, you sent that uh, YouTube breakdown uh, deconstruction of the song. Josh, did you listen to that? Yeah. Oh, it's so cool, man. Yeah. And I guess they do that a lot. That's kind of like a deconstruction is that where they, you know, you have all the different tracks. Um, I pulled it up earlier this afternoon. Uh, I listened to the whole thing. I was like, God damn. Like, even when it just starts with the drums, you're like, Jesus, that's fucking sick. That's such a great beat. Like, you don't even realize how good the drums are to you isolate them. What is it about British people that like to call people named Michael Mick? Because it's Mick Woody Wood, <laughs> Mick Woody Woodman, see? But the sound of his snare <laughs> is like the most distinct sound about this era of David mm-hmm. Bowie. And I love it. Every, oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's this song or anything from 71 to 73 Bowie. All I hear is that snare, and I love it. Like There had to have been something about what they were doing in the studio that gave it that distinct sound. But I love it. It just sticks out so well to my ear. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. going to probably be him and the producer. The producer's probably going to have a lot. How that's mic, what room it's in, what you know effects you're getting on that. But but yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, let, we should mention the other people who play on the album. The only one we haven't mentioned is Trevor Boulder, who does who plays bass. So, not to leave Trevor out of out of the mix. We're talking about every, everyone else here, but uh, poor Trevor. Make me baby. Just one more thing. I mean, listening to the guitars uh, isolated, I, I and I knew it before I heard that, but the the electric 
it's such a great tone because it sounds like he's using an open wah pedal like the wah pedal's on but not he's not uh, you know using I was it ask you that, that's yeah. why it gives it that honking like wah, wah, wah. like it it's such a cool <laughs> sound and i didn't realize um i should have I feel like I don't know if Bowie has a non twelve string guitar because <laughs> everything's just twelve string, but it, it works perfect, especially with all this space stuff he does. Yeah, you know what? That, that's also a very, your vocal honking is actually a very uh, cool uh, sound as well, Neil. And that's that's a perfect <laughs> way to bring us into the vibe time. Now, now, Anthony, I did not warn you about this, but the guest has to bring us into the vibe time of this podcast every week. So I basically say, bring us in in three, two, one. And you can say something, hum something, sing something, make a noise. It does not matter. All right. So, Anthony, bring us in uh, to vibe time in three, two, one. The vibe is, you sound like you're from London. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, which, perfect. We didn't even, I'll just mention this real quick. I mean, Bowie, you know, he's not like the best singer, but he really does have like a, a very original but super British voice, and he's he's going for it in this song. Like you can tell, he's yeah. having a lot of fun singing. Oh, he's so British though. He's singing it with such passion. It's <laughs> fucking great. I mean, one of my favorite parts of just his singing was the the keep your electric guy on me, and, and the way his voice cracks through, babe. Oh, when the the very last chorus, when he's kind of doing a little vibrato and going, mm-hmm. it almost feels like he's going in and out. And right before he goes into there, he goes. Freak out in a moon age daydream, oh, and he doesn't do the yeah, and then he just goes right back into it. Far out. (laughs) Not needed, but I don't mind. You sound like you're from London. (laughs) Uh, All right, Neil, when when do you want to hear, when specifically do you want to hear moon age daydream? Well, I think it's a perfect party starter. Like if you're coming home for uh, after hours and my buddy uh, used to make these cherries that he'd soak in moonshine and he'd call them party starters (laughs) and he'd bring them to parties when I was home for uh, (laughs) Christmas. But so you, you get out the party starters, you pop a moonshine cherry, put on moon age daydream and the party's off. And and we're we're ready to go. All right. All right. I'll go, I'll go next. Uh, I want to hear this like Friday night, making dinner i'm already like half a bottle of wine deep i put this on my, my girl and i just funny dance to it as my <laughs> girlfriend's sitting there so she's just like god you're you're fucking ridiculous and you know it's, it's just perfect for that what kind of dance <laughs> do you interpretive dance oh yeah yeah just like a drunk just bowie like you know get, get my uh, a lot of finger wagging. a lot of finger wagging uh, <laughs> a lot of hands on hips that's josh's version of the party starter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, the party's already started for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm letting her know that she needs to catch up. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, what about you? So I actually, the reason I said the vibe is you sound like you're from London. I mentioned earlier in the show that K West sign, and oh, yeah. I, there's a story here, and it was one of those like nice. hair standing up on your arm things. And the only time I, the only place I go to when I hear this song is London last fall. I had never been to England, and I traveled. I finally went over there, and I was with a couple buddies. Two of them lived there, and one of them was with me from the States. And we were just doing the normal touristy things, walking down one of the busiest like shopping commercial streets in London, Regent Street. And I happened to see this sign on an alleyway that had a, a few businesses listed, and a couple of them had these like very distinct looking lightning bolts. And I was kind of like, what the hell? is going on here i i need to get i need to see what's going on and i wander down this alley and i see this bar and it's called the star man and i'm like what oh, is yeah. the star man it sounds it look it looks cool it looks vibey and I, I walk in i'm like this is a david bowie themed bar this is cool and it's this weird <laughs> it's this little l-shaped alley off a really really busy street in downtown london and i start walking around having a beer i'm like something feels interesting about this so i walked two rows down and there's yeah. a plaque on the wall and it's 23 Hedden street and it says something along the lines of this is where david bowie stood for the cover oh. of the ziggy stardust album and that k west nice. sign used to be right there was now inside the bar of the star man and i realized like holy shit holy that's shit. why i recognized this bar was like something and it was just really weird because i at that point i had loved bowie i was into it 
wasn't thinking at all about it, but something about it was like, go turn down this alley. And then I just, it was weird to be like, this is where the man stood for that album cover. This is it. And I still, even thinking about it now, I'm kind of getting that like, and so every time I hear this song, I go right back to that, the Starman in London. Starman nice. Bar. That that sounds like the only place that you would want to hear this after after you've been there. <laughs> but speaking of hanging out to Starman Bar, why don't we slide under the influence and talk about the influences of the song? I'll get us started here. I've kind of already said most of it. Like I, I hear a lot of Sid Barrett, uh, era Floyd in here. Yellow Submarine had to have some kind of influence on this in in some way. He said that the Argyles 1960 song "Show No A Thing About Love." inspired the uh, penny whistle and sax and Hmm. obviously this has got contemporary like t mark bolin and t-rex vibes but i mean moving forward i'm like thinking i'm like is it this is where hair metal came from right like this song (laughs) yeah some of it for sure i mean it it, there's a lot of elton in the piano playing and just kind of the melodic Mm. um stuff going on i did read that uh green day used this the the two or almost like the three first chords for Jesus of Suburbia for American Idiot. Okay. Which uh yeah, I know Josh your, your, your favorite album. We, we've already established that. <laughs> Certainly the Flaming Lips moving forward, it's very Flaming Lips. And then Josh, you mentioned Yellow Submarine, but I also think I mean a lot of Beatles, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, yeah. a lot of their trippier stuff. For sure. Anthony, what about you? What do you hear in this? I think more about what it inspired down the road. You touched on the, yeah. the metal aspect of it. Bowie sounded like he was from London. That's kind of where the yeah. metal thing started, right? And it was around that same time. So there, he's tackling some taboo subjects with the lyrics of the album, even though it was an unintentional, unintentional concept album, and he never really intended to make this character, which kind of became a staple of his career. So he's got that path going. Then they're bringing in these more metal aspects all into this very, very successful pop album which brought some of that metal influence more into the mainstream ear and, and allowed some of the, yeah. the Black Sabbath and the rest of the metal movement to kind of become more that's popular. A mm-hmm. mm-hmm. lot, of, lot of influence in this song. That's, that's probably the most we've gotten out of, out of a song in a, in a long, long time, Neil. So after that uh, lengthy influence, I, I think that's a perfect time to, to crawl into the covers. And Anthony, we'll, um, we'll start this with you. Did you hear any covers of the song? Give us one that you liked or didn't like. Well, the first cover that I think of when i think of any david bowie cover and i can never remember what album it was that they actually covered but i said i was a grateful dead guy which by periphery you become somewhat of a fish guy (laughs) right like whether or not we want to admit it we all kind of get pulled in there no offense to the fish listeners it's a slippery slope no offense to anyone who loves fish neil's happy to admit it yeah don't you worry about that yeah, yeah. All right, but they they did the the ziggy cover i think it was 2016 on their halloween show and uh, I heard that before. That cover is great because it's kind of built for a jam band. And I, I think I've heard you two talk about some of your past gigs that you've done and your your bands. And you you guys you had your time on the jam scene, right? But oh, the yeah. the fish cover, I really really like. There's the their vocal background, the woo mm-hmm. the the keys hit it. So you hear ding oh, ding, nice. ding 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 ding, nice. and I, I like that okay. a lot in that cover. Yeah, I gotta go. I didn't find that one. I gotta, I gotta go. Listen I forgot to they had done that. I, I heard a lot that were like very just straight rock and roll covers. You know, where it's like I'm an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the most prominent one, Get like band name that I, <laughs> of those, I will say is the Black Crows, which I was very disappointed by. Like oh, it's God. not. It's yeah, not what happened? It was so. What were they it's thinking? so bad. Like I was so excited to listen to it. I was like, oh, here we go. I was. Yeah, I just, I just like, wrote oh, down God. what happened. <laughs> they were probably were getting into a fight as they were recording it. Uh, yeah, when I first started digging into covers, um, it made me question the song. I was like, shit, is this a good song? Because <laughs> like, there was some bad. There's a lot of bad, like classic rock style covers. Um, but I found some good ones. Uh, Portugal, Portugal, the man does it. They have a, like they do that. it live, and then there was a there's a version of them doing it on a porch with just a couple acoustic guitars, and it just really like if you're gonna do it acoustic, like they're not trying to do anything, you know, too cute. Yeah. They're just playing the song very well. well um, it's a super fun song to play. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I get it if you're trying to do it exactly like his version yeah. and you don't have the bells and whistles that they're using production-wise. But, like, if you just sit down with acoustic guitar, it is really a, a joy yeah. to play oh, yeah. and sing. Like, it's, it's fun. And I heard, um, I heard one more. Um, it was a Crowded House with uh, Johnny Marr. Um, wow. And they do it just like they do it like you're supposed to do it like Bowie would do it. I guess it was a tour in maybe 2012 um, when they were on tour. But they're, they're old guys, uh, and they I was very surprised at how good the recording uh, I saw on YouTube was. An, an Australian really nice. version. Or is that Kiwi? Are they Kiwis? I think they're Kiwis. Uh, Kiwi version. Uh, Anthony, <laughs> do you have any other that you heard you want to mention? The only other version that I thought was noteworthy and this is if you want to get real into the like, let's see how how melted my face can get. Oh yeah, Racer mm-hmm. X, Paul Gilbert, the the Shred Man himself, did a cover of it, and it's like okay, it, it has as many notes on the guitar as you would expect from any Paul Gilbert yeah. version of a song, but it's it's a cool little interpretation of it. All right. Nice. All right. Well, there, so there's a, there's a good many out there people can people can look into. Um, I, honestly, I didn't I didn't find one that I'd be like, you should go listen to this one. But um, but we'll go race Racer X and Portugal the Man and Fish if you if you're into that. But we all agree that Sounds the good. only version you should listen to is David Bowie's version, right? Like yeah, we yeah. we oh, at least like, like I said, <laughs> and the live the live version for that you know the the famous live version that you know that where he played the whole album is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's wrap this up. Talk about how the shoe fits. Neil, it's your song. How does the shoe fit for Moon Age Daydream? Fits great. Alligator skin boots. Ooh, alligator skin Ooh. boots. I like it. <laughs> Anthony, what about you? How does the shoe fit? Well, I was going to say alligator skin boots, too. Be- mostly because <laughs> every time I see somebody wearing alligator skin boots, my first reaction is, what the hell does that mean? And then my second reaction is, oh, they're actually trying to make a statement that's pretty cool to dive into <laughs> love it i love it we're on the same there we page. go I'm, I'm gonna go a, a little different i'm gonna a space boot with with the, with the bolts just white with the bolts like you're a member of x-men or something you know <laughs> you're, you're you're coming down uh to save the planet with, uh, with the rest of the x-men fucking um, Starman, the new x-men <laughs> uh all right well on that note our cover of moon age daydream by david bowie I'm an alligator I'm a mama papa coming for you I'm a space invader I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you Keep your mouth shut You're squawking like a pink monkey bird And I'm busting up my brains for the world Keep your electric eye on me, babe Put your ray gun to my head Press your space face close to mine, love Fake it, baby. Lay the real thing on me. The church of man love is such a holy place to be. Make me, baby. Make me know you really care. Make me jump into the air. Keep your electric guy on me, babe Put your ray gun to my head Press your space face close to my
cover you just heard was performed by josh bond and neil marsh thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you like what you heard please subscribe and rate on apple or itunes spotify wherever you listen um if you'd like to reach out to us you can find us on twitter or instagram under the handle at pod rock next week it's your week josh what are we gonna do we are going to talk about patty smith's because the night can't wait (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.